At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The 2017 NBA draft is in the books. Our third draft's already hard to believe that it's been that long already here on Dunked On. Danny is here. We're going to break it all down. But we got to start, of course, Danny. We're going to go through every pick and give our opinion to the extent that we have them some of those second rounders i can't say that i do but most i have at least in terms of their fit and what they're purported to do but we got to talk about this jimmy butler trade first and i'm not the only one who thinks this just an absolute fleecing by tom thibodeau and the minnesota timberwolves this is not a trade that you really need to do from both sides like you can and there are certainly ways you know in terms of it you can just analyze it in this way the piece that minnesota got jimmy butler is vastly superior to what chicago got i don't the needs all that other stuff doesn't really matter i mean it's just way way better and i talked about with the uh, and it's funny because both both GMs involved in the two trades I'm going to talk about said similar things of like, oh, this was the best offer that was on the table. And so the other one I said was, the Dwight, was Dwight Howard yesterday when I went off on that trade was if this is the best that you got offered, you shouldn't have done anything. And it's readily apparent that that is true here. All right, let's go through the parameters of the deal. Butler and the number 16 overall pick, which then became Justin Patton going to Minnesota for Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, last year's number five overall pick and the number seven pick, which then became Lowry Markkinen. It just, the number one thing that I think of here, we'll get to the Wolves in a second and how Butler is going to fit in. I mean, that, that's going to be absolutely fascinating. But for Chicago, this just continues a trend to me of just complete failures in evaluating talent. I mean, just look at, and point guards specifically, right? They think that Chris Dunn, is, they supposedly loved him last year. Supposedly that pick was involved in Jimmy Butler trades last year. The Bulls did, did not bite. And now, though, because number seven was... Because last year, I think the package was supposed to be Levine and Dunn, basically. And now that number seven was involved, they probably thought, all right, we'll do it. Uh, and they think, well, hey, you know, we got Chris Dunn. That's a number five pick. We got Marketing, That's a number seven pick. We got Levine, who was averaging 18 a game. He was pretty efficient before he hurt himself. Like, that's not bad, right? But the problem is that Zach Levine was maybe the worst player to play a thousand minutes in basketball last year. Shot under 30% from three. 40% from two, never got to the rim, never set people up, and he's already 23. So there's really just no reason at all to think that he can even become a starter. There's really no track record of a 23-year-old playing that poorly and becoming a starter, much less a star. He'll be good defensively, but you know that doesn't matter as much for point guards. And so for Chicago, yeah, on paper, if you just look at where the guys were selected, it might look okay. Still not great, though, to, to not get higher than that. Uh, but 
it's really, I, I think, just a, a massive failure. And you go back at the campaign trade where they also, by the way, threw in another pick that when they already were getting the worst end of the deal, they also threw in a pick. That's the same thing here. They threw in that 16 pick, which is just asinine to me. Um, you go back and look at the Michael Carter Williams deal where they misidentified that talent. They thought that Tony Snell couldn't play. Now he's going to get an eight figure a year contract probably now. Rajon Rondo played well in the first two games of the playoffs before he got hurt, but it was awful before that. They acquired Jerry and Grant, who really didn't contribute much. It was completely unplayable in the playoffs to the point where they had to go to Isaiah Cannon. They just have missed and missed and missed. In the draft, they haven't gotten anybody who's worthwhile in terms of assets in the last two three years and it's just they didn't get anything they they, they, and zach levine is hurt he's coming off a torn acl no one knows if he'll be the same uh it's just it's a really really ugly return for what you would have thought could have been out there for a borderline top 10 certainly top 15 nba player on a great value contract for two more years jimmy butler is one of the on the short list maybe even the number one value of a player that was actually gettable not on a rookie scale contract you know so that obviously there are guys who are better you know i'm not saying he's the best player in the league or anything crazy like that but of yeah. players who were reasonably available player plus contract he was there and he got a return that i wouldn't have taken for a player who was far worse and not only so so there are a couple different parts of the contracts here that i think are worth talking about one is jimmy butler has two more years on a team-friendly contract does get a i think it's a five percent trade bonus so congratulations to jimmy butler for getting paid a little bit more money but so he has that so he's good value and then you know he's also not eligible for a designated veteran contract now so that you, the wolves don't have to worry about that at all maybe he doesn't resign there who knows zach levine is about to be properly paid he is in the final year of his contract coming back from an acl injury also makes him almost impossible to extend from a realistic standpoint considering you won't have seen him play in your uniform before that deadline or at least in any reasonable fashion so you traded a guy on a great value contract for a guy who's temporarily on a good value contract chris dunn who absolutely did not impress and then the seven pick or more accurately for moving up from 16 to 7 like for jimmy butler that's insane well to me if that's what you're gonna get and and i mean that's the problem like they think that this is good they think they got a quality starting point guard a quality starting shooting guard and a quality starting power forward out of this deal and it's possible that all three of those guys could maybe develop into starters but none of them really you know i think dunn is going to be a lower end starting point guard at the absolute best levine is hurt obviously and and he's going to he's going to be expensive as you mentioned and Markinen, while he is an excellent shooter i think he could be a wonderful offensive player he's just not where the league is going and now the bulls bulls blogger of course was apoplectic about this trade and he noted that the bulls probably have the worst best asset of any team now outside of their own draft picks which i in the future which i expect to be quite lucrative in the absence of jimmy butler um and they also just have nothing resembling a wing on the roster and that's the hardest thing to get is a two-way wing so they're just going to be so far away from competing. I mean, it, it's hard to imagine unless they can make some free agent coup, which seems exceedingly unlikely that, I mean, I don't think any of these guys are going to re- lead them to playoffs as a core. So it's going to be the guys they draft next year and the year after. And then they're, those guys are going to take three years to develop. Could be five, six years before the Bulls are back in the playoffs now. And they also have this contributing factor that they're probably going to be bad enough that good players aren't going to want to go there. So it's not like they're going to get a 
accelerated in that standpoint. And Markkanen, first of all, Markkanen was not my favorite player on the board. We'll get into who that player was because there was another team that passed on him too, of note. But Markkanen to me is best with a capable, ideally more than capable pick and roll point guard, and then a rock solid center who can kind of clean up. So so you're, you're not getting as much of the downside and you're maximizing his upside. The Bulls have neither of those. And it's unlikely that they're going to get either of those in the near term future unless they hit on their first round pick in 2018 yeah and they still don't have they're still going to be poor for spacing as well you know unless like denzel valentine is going to play i mean i think their defense could just be absolutely atrocious next year and this is to say nothing of course of Dwayne wade as well i tweeted that the Dwayne wade buyout talks are already beginning wade it was reported he's going to take his player option he technically had until june 27th to do that but the reporting from vincent goodwill and others has been that this doesn't change anything he's going to opt in and get his money and presumably either he could get traded somewhere and maybe the bulls could take on some bad salary by sending him out as a big expiring contract and pick up some more assets that way or just get completely bought out which i'm sure would probably be his preference and it's really just it's hard to see like how this bulls i mean you zach levine is a solid player you know he could probably be it maybe before he got hurt you could squint and see him as like the third best player on a good team due to his defensive limitations but you know a solid score that that aspect of of his game is impressive but it's really hard to see dunn levine or markinen as ever being having star potential much much less even being like very good starters on like you know a conference finals team or something like that and so it's this does like if you're going to trade butler the whole point of it is all right we're going to go through some misery but we're getting some upside and i just don't see the upside with this group and that's going to come from their picks which uh certainly they have not done well with of late either over the next three years probably it's another reminder of why and granted you could say ownership feels differently with this of why i i always say the thing if like if once you feel like a gm or combination whatever front office can't do their job hold on like actually i was saying that too because they're not this is like totally not like job saving behavior exactly to me no no what i I mean is once basically the problem is you don't want the people in charge of the rebuild this is the second rule you don't want the people in charge of the rebuild who destroyed things in the first place it's a different concept but it's a it's a kind of a similar analogy this isn't job saving this is just judgment trusting no there's some who might yeah there's some who might say well hey this team wasn't going anywhere anyway like this was the best offer and we can also talk about like what else might have been out there for butler this is the best offer and we just you know we might as well trade him because his value is only going to go down I still think that, you know, being a decent team for a couple of years is fine. Like if they just had moved on from Rondo, the point guard market really had moved in their favor. We talked about this. If they could have just got, you know, re-sign Miritich, hopefully at a reasonable number using restricted free agency to keep his price down. And maybe then they could have been, you know, at least back in a little bit better playoff position, maybe get up to like the four seed or something and get a point guard who could shoot, you know, who could be pretty good, like a Lowry or a Drew Holiday or something. Maybe they just figured they're, found out through back channels there's just no way that was ever going to happen but i think that kind of sticking with this team might have been a, a better than taking this offer my question though for this is 
where were the Celtics in all this, right? Or where were the Philadelphia 76ers? Or where were, although he's a little bit of a questionable fit there, or where were the Phoenix Suns? Or where were even the Kings? Uh, although I guess they'd still be so bad for two years, there's really no point in having him. Well, remember, but, there's a parallel. I like that you brought up the Kings with the DeMarcus Cousins trade, another one that we panned, where a team liked a player a year before and didn't change their feelings based on new information. Buddy Heald was a Kings guy. They didn't end up getting him. Chris Dunn was a Bulls guy. They didn't end up getting him. Overvalued them without in considering that new input when they actually acquired them. Yeah, uh, the input of this guy had plenty of chances to play last year and, and was awful and is old. Uh, and, and healed for me. That's a little bit unfair because I think he actually played pretty well in Sacramento. But yeah, he uh, did. But but nonetheless, the question to me is, where is Boston? And the only explanation that I could come up with here, and I tweeted this, was that maybe just the thought was the fit is just too awkward with Butler and Gordon Hayward. And that maybe, maybe you don't want to imperil the Hayward pursuit. They already have a million wings there and you don't want to imperil the Hayward pursuit because you're basically getting Hayward for free you don't have to give up any assets to get him if in fact you do get him or or maybe Blake Griffin uh who again would be a little bit of an awkward fit with Butler but a, a better one than Hayward but yeah I, I can understand it with Hayward you've already got Isaiah Thomas there now Jimmy Butler is going to come in so now Hayward is the best suited to play off the ball of any of those guys so now he's going to be your third option like I probably wouldn't want to go to Boston to do that just because I would want to be a, a larger part of what they're doing and so maybe that's what it was because clearly you would think that boston could have beaten this offer and the only other explanation would be that the bulls were just so high on chris dunn that they felt like minnesota's offer was better than any reasonable offer that boston could have made but i certainly would have rather just had straight up the number three pick for jimmy butler than what they got easily yeah but there isn't that much value in chris dunn and levine at this point i mean levine's not a bad player it's he's about to be properly paid a lot of uncertainty with it and yeah i mean there were some options at three i mean hell there were some options at seven that were good that they didn't end up taking i mean yeah and, that's and, true I, they could have salvaged this to me by taking dennis smith but the whole reason they got chris dunn is because they think he's going to start and so you know we don't want to not take dennis smith because we've already got chris dunn who's going to set the world on fire uh so yeah i mean i think marketing if you weren't going to take dunn was probably the best pick there but and i think he could really help their offense a lot i mean we will finally get to see a little bit of this pace and space from Hoy uh last point on the bulls then we'll we'll take a quick break and then go to the wolves nikola miritich you would think that this could lead to the end of his time in chicago they of course have still said that they want to try and resign him miritich carries about a 10 million dollar cap hold for this season and chicago now assuming that wade has opted in they will have 10 million in space if they were to move on from Miritich and get, take his cap hold off the books and restricted free agency. Now you're at 21 million. And then Rajon Rondo, who management had previously indicated would probably return on that 3 million guaranteed, but uh, $13.4 million overall guaranteed date of June 30th. He now seems to be more in limbo you would have to say there's zero reason to keep him around when you're really going into the rebuilding uh so they might as well either just try to move him uh or maybe even like just trade him away and and just have somebody take on the three million for a small asset or something like that but it's if they get him off the books and they were to stretch him for which would be a million dollars each season now they're at about 34 million in space so we'll see what ends up happening there but you have to imagine that space is not going to be particularly useful and it should be used to just 
start getting some more draft picks just go the sam hinky route at this point but we'll see whether they do that can i make one small point quick yes i'm amazed that they were able to make the cameron Payne trade look worse but they really did (laughs) they really did like mcdermott would be useful on this team mcdermott would be helpful cameron Payne is useless but still oh is i mean yeah think all the guys they have now it's just uh, on this team i I guess so like someone was like oh who's gonna be tweet i mean who's gonna be the bull star next year i was like well chris dunn then Jerry and Grant, then Campaign, then Chris Dunn, then Jerry and Grant, and I ran out of space after well, that. Well, yeah, and then but- <laughs> mine, mine, uh, I, mine was, how many point guards do the Bulls have that are worse than Dennis Smith? And that's not saying Dennis Smith is great right now. It's just how many point guards do they have right now that are worse than he is? Four? Yeah, it's uh, it's not good. And and maybe Levine and Dunn and Markinane can all become lower-end starters, and this won't look like too awful of a trade, especially if Butler were to leave in two years from Minnesota. Um, so we'll talk more about Minnesota. I think that that's even the more exciting part of this uh because now we can just not watch the bulls at all uh but first this from wink a new sponsor wink offers exceptional wines from around the world so you can have more of those special moments with a great glass of wine i've not been a huge wine drinker in part because i know little about it but that's why Wink is good for me because it doesn't waste my time guessing what I might like. Instead, they base the wines that they are sending me on my taste preferences. So when you go to trywink.com slash capspace to get $20 off your first order plus complimentary shipping, you get asked a bunch of questions and it's not, oh, do you like Pinot Noirs? Do you like more tannins? Do you, like The questions are actually questions that normal people can answer. Like, how do you like your coffee? How do you feel about salt? Do you like citrus? Do you like earthy flavors do you like blackberries blueberries and raspberries how adventurous are you those are the questions that they asked me and they sent sent me some wines that i actually i'm really enjoying despite not having been a huge wine drinker before and it's also great when i have company over as well now I can feel secure that I actually have got some good wine instead of having to go to the store and go through a bunch of aisles and picking out whichever one has the prettiest artwork on the bottle. Another advantage of Wink is they'll introduce you to new, rare, and custom wines that are not available anywhere else. They actually have vertical integration with their wineries, and they will tell you the story behind each one. So you can join for free. You can skip any month. You could cancel any time. They have 100% satisfaction guarantees. So you never pay for a bottle that you don't like. And they'll ship them to your door every month cover the cost of shipping and it's much less expensive than it would be trying to buy it at the store because you don't have to pay for any middlemen they're all vertically integrated they just send it right to you so once again the way to get started with them try wink t-r-y-w-i-n-c try wink t-r-y-w-i-n-c.com slash cap space that slash cap space url easy to remember about to talk about the minnesota timberwolves cap space right now and that'll get you $20 off your first order plus complimentary shipping try wink.com slash cap space is that url what a coup for the Minnesota Timberwolves, and what a revenge for Tom Thibodeau on his former evil overlords in Chicago. Jimmy Butler is a wonderful piece for them moving forward, even if it's just for two years, especially at the price that they paid, because he can do well with the ball in his hands. He can create. He can also, of course, thrive off the ball. I think his chemistry with Towns is going to be great. I'm not as comfortable on his fit with Wiggins, but when you can get him for what they got him for, it doesn't really matter. The talent upgrade is unbelievable it really is i mean to have three pieces now wiggins who i know you and i are a little lower on him than the rest of the world but he still did average 23 a game on decent 
efficiency last year they've got jimmy butler now to guard the other team's best wing threat one through three or best outside threat one through three so wiggins who was kind of miscast in that stopper role doesn't have to do that anymore and that wiggins butler and towns core is just absolutely fantastic they are just going to be able to play mismatch ball to their heart's content like presumably butler will start at the three wiggins will start at the two wiggins has always just killed twos in the post whenever and they're definitely not putting your little two on jimmy butler either carl towns of course can go to work those guys will be able to run some pick and roll but the question now to me i mean i don't think that wiggins and butler are the best fit because they're both kind of iso guys like to have the ball in their hands not amazing spot up shooters in terms of volume at the very least and perhaps accuracy as well and they just they don't just don't like to do that you know they, like they're not especially butler he can shoot it okay from three when he's open but he doesn't like to just stand around and space out he likes to get the ball in the mid post and that's where, where he stands a lot of the time i think that part of it can work though it's just that they have almost zero pieces to me that fit at all around those three guys as of this moment. Oh, you mean that the fact that they the big men they've gotten next to Towns are not magnificent four spacers? Yeah, uh, Bielitsa maybe could work uh, as a shooter, but he's got that navicular fracture. We don't know how effective he's going to be, and he just really started to play well like in February last year, but has not been effective other than that. And coming off an injury, it's hard to imagine that he's going to be a quality player you want closing games for you next year Gorgie Jang who I mean I would love where they were at now if they hadn't extended him number one they would be getting him on much cheaper than 16 million a year over four years because there'd be absolutely nobody giving him that deal in the market in restricted free agency this season I mean Greg Greg Monroe a far superior player opted into his 17 million so there's no way that you're gonna have a restricted free agent offer for Jang they could have gotten him for 10 million a year probably uh instead of 14 and he would have had a much smaller capital too so they could have gotten out on the market a little bit more now as it stands of this moment you have to imagine that this acquisition will mean the end of Shabazz Muhammad's time they don't have any other wings under contract but you think with his 7.6 million dollar capital they can do better than that just trying to get a wing who fits better with these other guys and Shabazz is just you know a much worse version of what Wiggins and butler are giving you in terms of scoring so they've got 19 million with him out of the picture that includes Patton's uh hold as the number 16 overall pick they were have been granted a long-term injury exclusion for nikola pekovic he is now off the books and they had to take on a ton of salary here to get butler as well it's obviously great salary so you're, you're not complaining about that but they could have had max room before now they're not gonna be able to have that but they still have some room to work and then there you also have though unfortunately ricky rubio and so just carl towns at the four and then rubio and jang around wiggins and butler i mean that is just a really tough fit so they, they've got to do better i think and move rubio now even though i think he's you know about properly paid they got to get someone who's just a better shooter because there's no there's gonna be no time for ricky rubio to ever have the ball in his hands otherwise they can find a better fit i mean there there is the potential for them to have some fun defensive lineups now if they keep this group together sure. but and i like rubio's fit when they're in transition but you're not going to be in transition enough to justify that so they should be looking around at the market for various different things and again that's the cost to doing business to, to to fit in with that and also i think you want to make sure that just about every ancillary player that you have can shoot so that you can roll these in some 
different lineups. Like even if you want to run, I've used the term before of a stagger plus with maybe with Butler and Wiggins, meaning that you play them together, but you kind of separate them when you can. So you have one of them on the floor. That also helps in terms uh, of shot creation. Yeah, you, you may be doing that. Tom Thibodeau yeah, will be playing them both 40 that. minutes a game. Of like, like both of those guys have played a ton of minutes under Tibbs before and kind of not gotten hurt, although Butler really has. Uh, Wiggins hasn't yet, but you have to imagine, though, especially because they're going to be hard pressed to get any other wings, that those guys are, are going to play a ton. So, I mean, to me, they really, they've got a lot of work to do here still. I mean, they got to get another guy who can shoot. Uh, I mean, what I think they should be doing is just playing Wiggins at the three, Butler at the four, and Towns at the five. They're not going to do that at all because it's Tom Thibodeau. Uh, Jang is going to play a ton probably. So they got to get a point guard who can shoot, and then they got to get you know a stretch floor four. Those are the, the big options. I would love for them to have you know a true combo forward or even just like a, a more traditional shooting guard as well. Uh, and but, but that's well, probably not going to You know happen. what? I, I don't know if he's I, if he's Tibbs' favorite player. I don't think he is, but a power four, a stretch four, might just be hitting instead of being a restricted free agent becoming an unrestricted free agent yeah you're talking about, about Miritich and yeah yeah maybe I mean he would be a good fit there and and hopefully wouldn't cost that much you could also see by the way that maybe they would be able to move on from Cole Aldridge uh Tyus Jones actually offensively would be a much better fit with what they're trying to do now he will reclaim presumably the backup point guard role which I think he earned over because he played better than Chris Dunn did last year I also don't really like the patent pick at all i mean he's shown a little bit of stretch he's you know kind of a, a pick and roll five can finish around the rim but kind of soft don't really see the fit there at all i mean i think that that there were other guys on the board who, who would have fit better with what they're trying to do i mean just get somebody who can shoot threes i mean they are you already have way too many centers on this team like jang and and maybe that you know they made the evaluation that he was the best guy available there are some other bigs that i like better than him as well which we'll get to when we go through the whole draft uh but i certainly think just some kind of a wing uh i mean there really weren't any point guards in that range but somebody who you would hope would be able to shoot at some point just that they got to get that in there so let's say they wanted to move on from rubio now danny i mean do you see any logical destinations for rubio at this point the fact that so many point guards have gotten drafted has kind of eliminated a lot of the destinations for him much as it has for some of the free agent point guards and with rubio having two years left basically at 28 million your teams will be asking themselves hey would i rather give up an asset to get rubio or maybe you don't even have to give up an asset maybe you just get him for free or would i rather sign another point guard who's probably better than him but also to a longer more expensive contract also someone who's probably older than him as well if and i'm not saying the fit is perfect because it isn't if drew holiday leaves the pelicans that would be a logical one because they just need somebody on a contract around that range. But again, you're probably not getting an asset back. They don't have many assets left to give. So that's the first one that stood out to me as like a team that could have a real need for a point guard. We don't know what Drew's going to do, but that's an option. And oh, one other thing while we're in the Minnesota range, just before I forget, I think that this also, the move that happened today also hurts the free agent market for Paul Millsap and for JJ Reddick because those were two guys that we thought, oh, Minnesota's going to have all this money. They could throw a big offer at those guys. I think that's off the table for both of them well if they could get off the money for cole aldrich who's making 7.3 this year and then 2 million of his 7 million for next year is guaranteed until june 20th of next year 
think you get off of that money, then you're at 26 million. That might be enough for Millsap uh, if they wanted oh, to that go That would be four so years. much fun. Yeah, I mean, they would be, and then we, they wouldn't be starting Jang anymore either, which would be great. Uh, and, and I think there is now the one perhaps downside to this move is if you're Minnesota, you've really accelerated your timeline now because you got two years to convince Jimmy Butler to stick around. And, and Butler, while he'll be 29 and, and won't be eligible for the designated veteran extension, but they'll have full bird rights on him, they could pay him a huge contract that will end up being a bad contract but he'll still at least be a two-way player for long into that contract something that that could help them out I mean, it could get very expensive if you're paying Andrew Wiggins and Carl Towns and Jimmy Butler all the max. Like that's something that they may not have the appetite for in Minnesota, but they'll cross that bridge when they come to it. Uh, Bielitsa is someone that they could probably get off of his money pretty easily as well. And then we talked about Rubio also. So they could get up to having max space still, I think, if they really had the ability to bring someone in. Uh, you, you mentioned Paul Millsap. Who's the other guy that you, that you said you thought the market was hurt for? Reddick. Yeah, yeah it's, it's hard. To imagine them bringing him, him. Yeah, it's hard to imagine him. I mean, because then you're starting Butler at the four, and I don't think Butler would be interested in doing that. And Tibbs probably wouldn't be either. Although, you know, we'll see. I mean, maybe if you you just said, "Hey, this is the best we can do with our money," we'll pay Reddick two years, twenty million a season. If that's really the best that's out there, uh, you know, maybe he could come off the bench, play a few less minutes, and and with that type of stagger you're talking about, and then be in the closing lineup if they did go with Butler at the four at the end. Some other free agents that I think they could get in on now and we haven't done their offseason yet so we can probably save a little bit of this for now but i mean it's just so fascinating to think about i want to just kind of go off the top of my head and see who might be useful for them and they could just get a, a free agent point guard like holiday would be a solid fit george hill would be an outstanding fit especially if they can get him on a shorter term deal jeff teague i'd be a little less enamored of but he has matured into a spot up shooter. i think they'd like to have more defense at that position george hill would be an absolutely wonderful fit though and even kyle lowry would be a great fit uh but they may not have the money for him and probably don't have the touches for him oh i either. thought of the rubio fit utah if george hill leaves yeah I, I, I was, we kind of cut off there but yeah that that occurred to me also um maybe the box as well could could be one that they would have to take back you know, maybe they could take back Mirza Teletovich and he could play more for them. Uh, although that's probably the Bucks would probably have to throw something in there as well. Uh, Patty Mills in free agency is someone that they could very much go after. Who another guy who would be an excellent fit with what they're trying to do now offensively. So I, I think they've got some options as well. And then on the stretch big market, the other one that occurred to me was if they kind of strike out in free agency and Houston is we rumors have been that Ryan Anderson and Patrick Beverly would be available. Those two guys together. Would would fit in extremely well with what they're trying to do anderson as a stretch four could come off the bench not be extended to too much you'd still start jang and then patrick beverly would be just an, an excellent fit next to wiggins and butler much as he is with james hart yeah I, I really like both of those okay we will be doing the wolves off season soon for sure so we'll have a, a lot more to get to here we probably just spent so much time on it let's get to the draft itself here number one philly taking marco fultz as expected not much drama there the lakers also as expected going with lonzo ball who according to the quotes was their guy he was their guy all along of course everyone is their their guy all along and then the first real intrigue came with boston that pick that they had gotten from philly in the trade earlier this week they in fact took jason tatum as had been mocked out of course everyone's like oh danny Ainge loves josh jackson it was reported by dave McMenamin that jackson's camp actually canceled a workout while the celtics brass uh was in the air to go see him 
And so while they had gotten his medical records late, they he apparently really just did not want to be there. And Danny Ainge then said that, yeah, we, if we had had the number one pick, so we would have taken Jason Tatum. Spin or not, uh, that's who they ended up getting. And so now the Celtics are, are in an interesting position here. They have a million wings. If they get Gordon Hayward, they're going to have a million and one wings. I mean, they've got now, it just in terms of pure threes, Jay Crowder, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum all on the roster. And then maybe they'll have Gordon Hayward as well. You would imagine that if they get Hayward, they'll close games with Al Horford at the five and Crowder at the four. And I mean, remember, they still have Marcus Smart, who plays more at the three probably than any other position as well. Avery Bradley, Isaiah Thomas, I mean, they really have an embarrassment of riches of guys on the wing. Uh, we'll see how good Tatum is. I mean, with that kind of a rotation, especially if they get Hayward, you have to imagine he's not going to play very much. It'd be interesting to see also whether Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum plays more going forward. I think Brown is better than Tatum, but we'll see whether well, Boston and, agrees and we'll see whether the, the results agree. And also what happens here if Hayward doesn't go? You The, the expectation is maybe they'll go off for Blake Griffin or something like that but you know if if not this gets to be you know it's they have enough minutes for these guys in that case and so how they choose to how Brad Stevens chooses to deploy them could actually be relevant yeah and I think at that point I don't want to say that Tatum and Bron you know you definitely suffer from like new car driven off the lot syndrome with these draft picks but with the poo-poo platter offers so far that have been made up for Paul George, I think if they strike out on both Griffin and Hayward, then they probably would just revisit a deal to take George into their cap space. And maybe, you know, I don't know if they would move Tatum or Brown. Maybe they'd have to get something back from Indiana as well. But that, that probably, you probably would think that they would try to make another deal at that point. I don't know if it's hard to see both Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum being in the Celtics future, but there aren't really that many bigs out there too that are really going to help them because they're going to close games with al horford at center so you really want to give up that many assets to get another big who isn't a a big star so maybe they're just like hey you can never have too many wings someone will get hurt you know someone will fail to develop whatever we've just got more bites at at the apple but i i mean my biggest problem is i just don't think that Tatum was the best prospect to build. I like Jonathan Isaac better there. And as you know, I mean, that's going to be a common refrain. Get ready. You know, I liked Dennis Smith better there. Maybe even De'Aaron Fox as well. Because I think having some insurance for Isaiah Thomas just getting a monster offer elsewhere next year or just not being good anymore after this hip injury and turning 29 would have been a little bit better just from an asset allocation. But they clearly thought that Jason Tatum was the guy for them. They must feel like Jason Tatum's going to be able to create offense for himself because the shot creation on this team actually isn't that good outside of Isaiah Thomas. And the thought was, oh, that's why Markel Fultz is such a great fit for them, is the idea that, yeah, if I, whenever, either A, in the immediate when Isaiah's on the bench, and long term, you know, if you don't want to necessarily pay him that ridiculous contract that you would have a backup plan, that's totally out the out of the window now. And I don't think there's any way that that's going to change, even if they get to a point, if they get Gordon Hayward, because at that point, you'll want to bring Isaiah back so can maximize this time yeah i mean it's hard to imagine that they would sign hayward and then let thomas go unless he just really is like a shell of himself next year phoenix got the guy that they supposedly wanted josh jackson you have to imagine that he will be in the mix to start right away he'll be competing with tj warren at the three so they've got eric bledsoe who was involved in some trade rumors which we'll talk about at the end and they've also so Bledsoe's at the one they got Devin Booker at the two now at the three they've got TJ Warren Warren maybe could be a trade candidate as well he'll be extension eligible now seems like he's less into their plans but they could also play him some at the four uh still got Derek Jones Jr but he's kind of an end of the bench guy and then at power forward they've got Marquise Chris Jared Dudley Dragon Bender and then really with Alex Len a restricted free agent nothing going on at center other than Tyson Chandler's bad contract with 13 million a season left 
for the next two years. How do you feel? So how do you feel about Marquise Chris's shooting right now? Because one of the things I haven't focused too much on the fit of Josh Jackson because yeah. I did. It was did, a disappointment for me last yeah. year. So that's a big question mark with Josh Jackson, of course, as well. And so, yes, Devin Booker is amazing in that way. And they still have to figure out what they're going to do at point guard long term. They have all these bites at the apple, but some of them are not ripe yet. Other ones are a little bit past their prime in terms of the Suns timetable. So we'll have to see where that goes. But Jackson, like, I understand why other people like him more than I do, but I just feel like they, they had other other things that they need to resolve. And yes, a wing that works out is good. So I don't hate this pick, but I don't love it either. What, what direction would he have gone in and said? Whichever of the point guards they liked better. Despite the fact that they still have Eric Bledsoe, because the thought uh, that we Some heard in a lot theory, of circles man. was, yeah, the thought we heard in a lot of circles was if they get a point guard, then th- that will reduce their leverage in a potential Bledsoe trade. And, and I guess we can talk about it now since we're talking about Phoenix. The, the two rumored around Bledsoe, first of all, he tweeted, good luck, fellas, which I was cryptic. I don't know if I even put any stock in that. Mike Scotto reported that the Bulls and Suns had discussed a trade with number 16 for Bledsoe. That obviously didn't happen. That 16 went to Minnesota instead. And then the other one that was more intriguing for Chris Haynes was that discussions of the Nuggets number 13 pick and Emmanuel Moutier for Bledsoe. Is that, what do you think of that just as a general return for Bledsoe, who at this point in time has two years and at uh 15 million a year basically left on that five-year 70 million dollar deal he signed in the summer of 2014 i still believe that moody can become a, a credible nba player so i actually think that's a pretty good return for him and it balances out some of the sun's own issues so i would have i think that would have been a good trade for both teams yeah, they might have. It all depends what you think of Moutier at that point. I think you and I are a little higher on Moutier than the league is. But no, that's definitely true. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting. I think Jackson, one thing that he does really help is their passing. This is just like one of the worst. I think had one of like the worst percentages of assisted baskets like in NBA history last year. And they don't have a ton of shooting. I think they could really benefit from getting one of the stretch fives who's on the market. You know, someone like a Kelly Olenek or Mike Muscala open the floor up for some of these guys, especially because Jackson, especially early in his career, I think has no chance of being a quality three-point shooter right away. Bender is okay there, but he's probably behind Chris in the rotation. Jared Dudley is probably not really going to play. Uh, Chris has had some struggles last year. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I think it's... Because because the Suns have for so long struggled to have you know anybody who could defend on the wing I mean when's the last time I and mean, they had PJ Tucker but he was kind of more really like a four uh and was an offensive liability so just getting a two-way guy here at four you know I still again I think Dennis Smith is good enough that I would have just traded Bledsoe for what I could get or you know just let Bledsoe stick around for half a year and mentor Smith but I think Jackson is not as bad of a pick here for him. I still would have liked, I think, Jonathan Isaac more, but they also have a bunch of... He, Isaac's more of a combo forward, and Jackson, while well, the criticism of him is that he can't be a combo forward, they already have a bunch of combo forwards on the team. But I think Jackson's certainly the best fit of the players who are available. I'm just not sure that he's good enough to override the fact that I think those other guys are just going to be better. Sacramento, it sounded like they were going to take a point guard, though, I mean, theoretically, they could have gone ambitious and uh, take a John Isaac. 
they chose De'Aaron Fox over Frank Nul- Frank Nulkina and over Dennis Smith. I understand that from their perspective. He's a model citizen, a hard worker, and a talent. I mean, his physical ability is there. I, I listened, as I tweeted this, but I listened to your commentary with Schmitz before the draft, and I thought that your discussion on him was was pretty much on point with part, like kind of like why I like Fox, but why I don't love him as much as some people. But I, with Sacramento, considering where they are, just getting somebody who can who is going to battle, who can help set the tone for your team, and has plenty of ceiling too, is worthwhile. Yeah, I think f- with Fox, Buddy Heald, Scalabissier, they've really gotten now some really high character guys in there, which was a priority in the aftermath of the DeMarcus Cousins era, perhaps too much of a priority. Smith, I think, would have been a tough fit with their culture. Still think he's just that much better than Fox that I would have pulled the trigger there. Anyway, Isaac and Fox were kind of pretty much the same on my board. So I think Isaac is kind of a harder position to fill in some ways, but I think this is not, again, I mean, I think all these guys are going to be pretty like quality players. I don't see like huge busts among these guys necessarily. So I don't, don't really feel yay or nay about this pick, to be honest. Next up, John Isaac player that we both like goes to Orlando. Orlando has, if you think of Isaac as a combo forward, well, they already have one in, in Aaron Gordon, who already has PTSD from getting guys who played his natural position at power forward but this could underline could open the door for i don't think frank vogel is going to go real new agey but the idea of isaac at the five and gordon at the four not as your starting lineup but just for moments is legitimately exciting to me well they also don't have any threes on the roster right now and i I think yeah uh, isaac at the five is going to be years before he could hold up there in my opinion Uh, he blocks shots and he rebounds well but i think he's just too slight anytime soon for that although a lot of people have talked about that but i i don't necessarily see that but I think the idea of Gordon playing the four on offense and Isaac at the three and, and shooting the ball and then switching that around defensively put Gordon on the best perimeter player for the other team and then Isaac can guard the four, block some more shots to defensive rebound. That is a pretty good fit. This is another one where I think, you know, Dennis Smith would have been my guy. Uh, Alfred Payton hasn't shown enough to me. And while I like Isaac, I think he can be a quality player for a long time. This team especially just has so little potential superstar talent on the squad that that's why I would have gone Smith there just for the upside, even again, with some of the risks from injury and uh, the, the mentality stuff. Um Markkinen, we really already talked about. I mean, I think he could be a good offensive player, but it's going to be tough for him. Uh, I mean, at least hopefully this team will be so bad that he'll just get to play uh, and like the concerns about his defense won't be an issue. And hopefully for him, they won't bring back Miritich as well, because then he's, he's going to be competing with these. It's funny because, you know, they the Bulls play with two traditional bigs for so long that now it's like five years ago marketing would have been a much more attractive player because it was like stretch fours back then you know were like so hard to deal with or even maybe seven or eight years ago uh when like orlando was playing with richard lewis at the four those type of teams were really difficult to deal with now teams like everybody plays that way and it's just it's not that hard to deal with and you really need more of a combo guy there who can switch and defend and that's probably not marketing so the bulls front office is kind of just like five years behind the times and all three of their power forwards miritich and 
and Portis and Markinen are all these stretch guys who can't play any defense. And so they kind of, it's just more of the same there. Huh. Are right, you ready to kill another team for not taking Dennis Smith? Well, <laughs> I, I, my hope with the I'm Knicks putting, to- I know I'm putting a ton of eggs in it. I guess that's the problem with when you have a guy who got picked ninth is like third well, on your board because it's like, there's I mean, like, you have to say it six times you, now. You, you know, the all timer for this with me was 2013 when I had Rudy Gobert like sixth in that draft and he went like 28th. Then on every single pick, I was kind of like, you could have taken Rudy Gobert. And then I ended up just not, I ended up not putting it on anyone's because I just got so angry about it. But with, with Frank, my vision for him with the Knicks is actually not that he plays the one, but that they can use some of their cap space this year, next year to actually sign a point guard. And so we can kind of bounce around in some different positions. If that's what they can pull off, I'm on board, but I don't believe they will. Yeah. uh, For Nilakina, it's just, this is one of these things where it's like yet another time where the triangle is just going to like strangle these guys because he's he's the perfect triangle guard he's got size he can shoot it okay but you know can't really do that much off the dribble and yeah i think he can defend probably not ready to come and start right away he didn't start last year for strasbourg they will need to probably get another point guard and he could probably play some minutes off the bench maybe at the two as you mentioned but this is just another one of these one i mean and he's just again like not a high enough upside guy for me to take uh but personally i am extremely happy that the knicks passed on him because dennis smith is going to the absolute perfect situation to hopefully prove me right with the dallas mavericks as long as rick carlisle doesn't murder him that is carlisle already said he's going to start him though and don (laughs) nelson said said we don't need to get a point guard in free agency now because we got him that's like changed our plans although there were other tweets indicating that they would also try to get drew holiday i don't really see the fit between those two guys but if anyone is cool playing two point guards together it's it's rick carlisle uh also they would be hard pressed if they're going to pay dirk anything at all to meet holiday's asking price I would just like to see an NBA team actually start two guys that are natural point guards at this point. I want to see it happen. That's why I said it. I don't think it makes sense, but I'm just on board. And Dennis Smith, just the physical talent, he's going to, Carlisle will figure out what he, what he can do, what he can't do. And I'm just really excited. I'm really excited for that. I, I don't think he's necessarily going to win rookie of the year, but I'm not writing it off at all. And I think we will have, I, I would, I think because I think Fultz and Simmons could maybe cannibalize each other a little bit. Like I would put him in the top three, uh, and then, you know, maybe Fox, if he just, I think Lonzo is going to put up counting too. stats. Maybe, but is he, I mean, the Lakers, the only way it happens though, I don't know if he is, he may just not score enough, but the Lakers will have to be a lot better next year. And I'm not sure that they will be, um, and, and actually, that's that's uh, we'll, we'll talk more about the Paul George r- rumors later, I guess. But I think, yeah, if he's really going to play that much, and now they do have a bunch of other options. They still got Yogi Ferrell. They got Seth Curry. They've got J.J. Barea coming back. Devin Harris, they'll probably move on from. Uh, I could see them like re-signing him at the minimum because he's only got like a, a million guaranteed uh, if they waive him first. But just Rick Carlisle always has a space floor, always. And this is he is the most athletic point guard prospect they've had in forever. They were actually starting Dirk at center sometimes last year I mean that's like think of what uh, someone who can get to the rim like Smith could do with that Uh, or you know you'll have Dirk playing at the four to run pick and pop and then you've got Noel in the dunker spot or you can run pick and roll with Noel who's a lob threat they always will have shooting around him or they'll be playing Harrison Barnes at the four presumably Noel will be back of course uh, as a restricted free agent so it's just the absolute perfect situation for Smith to look great offensively and you know who that guy was last year was jamal murray and he ended up looking pretty good the guy who fell farther and ended up in a good situation so if it follows that model will be will be great 
This is a good time now, too. We, we went past New York a little bit to discuss the latest in the Kristaps Porzingis saga. Basically, the tenor of the reports is that the Knicks are, are asking for the moon. We've heard a couple of potential iterations of deals. One of them was from Woj was that the Knicks asked for the number four pick and Devin Booker from Phoenix and were turned down I think I might actually made that deal if I were Phoenix what do you think I would have I I just don't think Devin Booker is is that guy and Porzingis opens up so much for them kind of I I I think that you're not putting as much pressure on Bender you're not putting as much pressure on on like kind of that all that kind of stuff and you can I think you can find uh 75 percent of Devin Booker and yeah people we're going to say what about his scoring but his defense still sucks and you're still going to need a point guard so i i think i would have done it too it's a close call but i think i would have yeah i think so too i i think at that point porzingis still to me better than booker even last year booker a little bit younger but also a guy i think who's never going to play much defense and the number four pick is you know who knows what you're going to get out of it and i think to, to me porzingis i would have had him below faults but i would have had him number two in this draft so i think i probably would have done that the other iteration that was discussed apparently from frank isola phil jackson was asking for the third overall pick which eventually became jason tatum next year's brooklyn pick jalen braun and jay crowder which would not involve boston taking on joakim noah's contract that's still just way way too much for boston to give up for Porzingis. i would i would have certainly said no and then isola said the celtics countered with tweaking the deal to include just one draft pick either this year's number three or next year's brooklyn so that would have been three in theory it still seems like a lot Jalen Brown and Jay Crowder and either this year's number three or next year's Brooklyn pick uh still seems like maybe even too much but we're lower on Porzingis and higher on Brown or at least I am I I don't know about you what do you think of that iteration of the deal for the Celtics would you have offered that much were you them I don't think I would have unless I knew Gordon Hayward was coming because at that point those guys become a little bit superfluous and Porzingis I mean that that's just a, a really fun possibility and if I were the Knicks, I would have taken next year's Brooklyn pick because I didn't really love the guys that were available at three, especially for them. So you might as well just roll the dice and see if you can get Michael Porter, or maybe Luka Doncic or whoever breaks out at that point. Yeah, just to, where I am right now on Porter, I haven't seen as much of him, obviously, just seeing him at the Hoop Summit, but I would have him number one in this draft that just happened, probably. Um, Doncic, I haven't seen at all. All right, we'll, we'll get back to the draft here. Another trade, Portland trading up to get number 10 for 15 and 20, selecting Zach Collins. Sacramento with 15 selected Justin Jackson out of North Carolina, which fills a need on the wing. They have no wings there under contract, hardly at all. And then Sacramento also went with this year's extremely highly recruited distressed asset big man, Harry Giles, with the number 20 pick. Just in terms of the value, 10 and 20 for 10 is probably is not great in terms of just the expected return. Teams generally have paid a premium to move up, but it compares relatively favorably with some of the deals of this ilk, which you've seen it in particular 14 and 21 for nine in 2013 between the Jazz and the Wolves, 16 and 19 for 11 in 2014 between the Nuggets and Bulls. So it seems like kind of right about what the market has established that price as, but I think the trade down seemed better. And this is probably the second year that Sacramento has gotten solid value in terms of at least the picks that they got by trading down. For Portland, I don't really care for this. Zach Collins, I did not have a chance to watch a ton of, but just because, just in terms of like what he is supposed to be, which is like 
a five, maybe has the mobility and shooting someday to play some fours, but he's really a five. You know, he's the size of a five. You're, and they already got, they're getting the number 10 pick here. They already got Yusuf Nurkic. Portland's biggest need to me in the long term, if they're going to reach it, I mean, with Nurkic, if you consider him the answer at the five, and I think at this point you kind of have to, he was great for them when he was able to play before he broke his leg, was versatile forwards. And they just went, thanks, but no thanks on the whole concept of that. And I understand well, and to that. to push back a little bit, I don't think there really were those type of players really available in the last 20 picks. I guess they, they would have been able to get uh, OG Ananubi, but sure. that would have been, who would have been a great fit. I mean, if, if you're trying to compete against Golden State at some point, but, you know, they want to be good next year. Lillard and McCollum are right in their, in their primes. Uh, but I, I mean, I expected them to do more something along the lines of dump some salary with these picks, maybe try to get back a player who might help them a little bit more on the wing, that type of thing. Um, and I just, uh, Zach Collins, like he's, he's probably good value there just in terms of the, the number 10 pick and some of the statistical translations were off the charts for him, but just the, the fit really doesn't make any sense to me at all. It's hard to figure out what their best case scenario is. If you don't think that he can play the four, because Nurkic is a straight five. We already, we've known this for years. So it's just kind of like, well, does he get to be so good that you don't pay Nurkic? Probably not. Maybe, maybe he's insurance. They also have like no good backup pick men right now because Myers Leonard is bad I guess they still got Ed Davis but he's got one year left well and that, that's, deal. they've and got Noah Vonley they don't believe in those guys the really, Davis the Davis part also ties in with Aminu for me that those guys are expiring in the near term Davis this coming year uh, Aminu another year and considering where the where the Blazers are they're probably not going to give those guys big next contracts because they just don't have any money left so I would that's why I wanted a forward for them and so I, I think that the the I think in some ways my bigger issue was actually the Caleb Swan again pick than this one but the process oh, yeah. of the whole thing the process of the whole thing was just weird because you know like you're go- you're going up to get this talent but then you're like well well how is this gonna work when you already got a guy and you, you already hit on this like if they had mason plumley still i would be m- m- pretty much all over this but granted they also probably wouldn't have made that trade but anyway so yeah it's I, i'm very conflicted on it because i think it it helps them but it doesn't help as much as it should yeah and maybe the hope is just that collins is a little more mobile than nurkic although i don't know that he is actually nurkic is pretty mobile uh not gonna switch necessarily but at least can move his feet and pick and roll defense more than his size would suggest but maybe this is just a prelude to just having a decent backup center and then maybe some insurance if Nurkic leaves but you know I don't know who knows whether he even gets to the point of being a starting center I thought Charlotte did well to me uh not through any of their own doing but Malik Monk perfectly fits in with what they need they just desperately need someone else who can create a shot and who can score space the floor I don't think he is going to be a starter i wouldn't expect him to play a ton especially at the end of games with kemba walker but walker only has two more years left now on that beautiful bargain contract and so i think monk was just good value here i think he could be a guy who could be one of the bench best bench scorers in the league at 11 and especially for a team that desperately needed that i think it's good you know expecting him to start defensively could be a problem but if they do need him to start i think they have guys like mkg they've got dwight howard behind him and again you know we're talking about two years down the road too here probably before he's really an effective player maybe the year after next he could be in the rotation i love this fit i love it so much because he he fills a need for them and you can scale his role based on how well he actually plays and charlotte now has a much deeper rotation because they lost marco bellinelli justifiably in the trade for dwight and they already had a a starting five that i thought made sense with kemba batum mkg marvin and dwight so now you have 
have depth at the big man spots with Zeller there, and you have him. And so, yeah, you need to figure out backup. You need to figure out backup point guard, and then just kind of some ancillary figures. But they're a lot closer than I ever thought they would be, and that's important because they basically have no space on the margin anymore, especially with the lower cap. Uh, Luke Kennard to Detroit. I see Luke as basically a pure two. Perhaps he is someone who could play the one and then KCP could guard whoever is the more threatening of the one or two on the other team, much like with Reggie Jackson. So maybe he could play a little bit of backup one in time. Again, talking about like how this guy is going to fit next year. I mean, I, I've always cautioned against that, but we're probably even guilty of doing that too much. But I mean, presumably KCP is going to be on this team on a near max to max contract for four years. And so you do have to wonder where he fits in at that point but they definitely needed someone in his role as a backup too who could shoot off the bench they haven't had that the last couple of years so and i think he's a decent talent there and you know they didn't need another big there really weren't part of detroit's problems they don't really have a ton of needs I mean, maybe you could even say that point guard like an upside point guard was their best biggest need but that wasn't available at this point so i think they just went for someone who was a good kid stan van gunny of course has already said in the presser like our first conversation tomorrow is going to be about defense he needs to work on his defense and stan van also has an experience dealing with guys coming off screens at the shooting guard spot jj reddick another white guy from duke but still capable at that canard can do that and i think canard is better with the ball in his hands than a lot of the guys of that ilk he's not amazing at it but he's good enough and so i'm okay with this and there were other guys that i liked in this spot but i think they'll use him well who, who would you like better for for them specifically Donovan Mitchell would have been intriguing. I honestly, at a certain point, maybe th- this would have been too early just because his his workout stuff, or his legs are too freaky, but moving down and getting Harry Giles just as a pure upside play, you know, their, their front guard rotation, just just like a guy with star potential, I think is would have been very useful for them. It's the same problem with the Magic where they just kind of have all these guys that aren't bad, but you don't figure out where they're going to get this upside. And so for me, it's probably Stanley, Stanley Johnson, and then whoever that other guy is, but they didn't really do that. At 13, the Utah Jazz traded up to the tune of Trey Lyles, the number 12 pick in the 2015 draft, who had a nice rookie year and then was really out of the rotation by the end of the year last year, and the number 24 pick, which later became Tyler Lydon. What do you think? And then, of course, Utah selected donovan mitchell what do you think of that trade for both teams i don't particularly like trey lyles i don't really see his place i you know i could be wrong i've been lower on him this entire time and he fell out of the jazz rotation for a couple of different reasons if he can figure it out certainly and i thought donovan mitchell was intriguing as a just an overall basketball player i never really thought about his fit with the jazz because they never really seemed like a team that would move up but good players can find a way to make it work and utah's whole thing is kind of in flux right now so if they end up you know needing to fill different gaps because gordon hayward leaves or because rodney hood gets too expensive donovan mitchell could fit in yeah it sure does not look encouraging for utah right now on the gordon hayward front and perhaps the, the this move to draft mitchell is an indication of that they did not succeed it would seem or nor were they even rumored to be trying although they're typically rather tight-lipped on these things in utah about acquiring a point guard to potentially placate Hayward or or get Hill to return. But it, it's really, I and mean, when there's this much buzz about a guy leaving, it seems like a lot of the time he ends up going. I, I don't know that for sure, but it's just, that's just me reading the, the tea leaves from afar with experience. And 
And also, actually, I think that, like Boston not making that move for Butler when they probably had the assets has got to be a little bit disturbing to you, too, if you're a Jazz fan. Uh, so Mitchell, long-armed, but about 6'3", great two-foot leaper, but we talked about him. I, I don't know him as well. I think really what's going to define his career is whether his spot-up shooting is what he has shown more of apparently in workouts or whether it's more what we saw just in terms of a percentage at Louisville, which was a little bit lower i i like lyles more than you i while certainly his failures to rebound and defend are troubling i think that offensively he can be a very valuable player with his shooting ability to do stuff off the bounce maybe post up against switches as well i'm a little concerned in denver that they might play him over a guy that we uh, like better juancho hernan gomez although he provides some more minutes some insurance they move on from farid or gallo doesn't come back as well i still to me it was a missed opportunity for denver to get a, a pure wing i think that og and was the guy that we had thought would be great for them just in terms of, of fit really nobody else went uh, and he was and was really the only guy who could guard threes who went in like the next 10 picks after this and really in fact the only guy who can guard threes who went in the entire rest of the round that'll show you again how much uh those guys there just aren't that many of them and also recall that Ananobi went one pick before the 24th pick that they traded down to so maybe their thought was especially because Ananobi got invited to the green room so late that they could just get him at 24 and pick up Trey Lyles and they ended up getting Tyler Lydon instead who another guy who's basically like you know a poor man's version of Juancho Hernan Gomez but uh, Masai took an Anobi instead at 23 a, a very Masai pick I still think Denver got the the better value here uh, I think that Lyles while he had kind of checked out in Utah I mean you know if David Locke is kind of acknowledging that publicly that it probably was really pretty bad <laughs> and, and Lyles wanted out of there and Utah certainly with Ennis Cantor they saw uh, that they're when you get rid of a guy like that it helps uh, but just in, in terms of talent and the value I think I liked uh the haul from Denver a little bit better although I'm not sure how much Leiden really does for them they now have like a million of these guys who are like more fours than threes but like kind of combo forwards i cracked up when in uh, Leiden in his interview talked about how they play man-to-man in practice at syracuse it's like oh great good to know but it's very it's brutally hard to evaluate their guys defensively for that reason primarily number 14 in miami bam Adebayo, a guy that i liked he probably does not have the size to be a starting center but I think as a change of pace guy who could switch, run the floor, get on the offensive glass, get up for dunks. Like he doesn't play hard all the time, which is a problem. And he's not a great defensive rebounder either. But if there's anywhere that can make him even more of a ridiculous athlete than he already is and get him to play hard, it's Miami. So I, I like the pick reasonably well there. And again, I mean, this, this area of the draft, much like last year, there weren't that many guys that I was like so high on, like, oh yeah, you gotta, gotta draft this guy. So, but Adebayo was one of the guys that I, I had targeted again not take this with more of a grain of salt than usual because I didn't watch a ton of film it's more just you know I kind of watched maybe like 20 or 30 minutes of the guy and just had my gut feeling on him but he he fits like he has a role and you can see immediately like how he can be successful which you can't say I think for a lot of these guys he can't play with us on white side and I don't care you just you you give him those 15 minutes or whatever it's going to be and yeah. just let they him need run. a backup center too like Willie yeah. Reed is probably gonna be gone this year and he I think Bam can be better than that he's on a, a reasonable
reasonable rookie scale contract now for four years? Like, yeah, sure. By all means, it's better than spending the money that some of these teams are going to spend on backup fives. Then Sacramento with Justin Jackson. Again, the another guy, I guess he was the one other guy in this range who actually can guard threes, but pretty skinny still i mean you you can't put him on a carmelo anthony lebron james type and and hope to not just have him get completely steamrolled you know a jimmy butler type but at least a guy who competes defensively can shoot the ball has like a nice floater game and they just they have not had any good threes there for a while especially with the demise of rudy gay and the low likelihood that he will return you have to imagine that uh, he'll have plenty of chances to get playing time next year and you know I, i'm not as high on him as, as schmitz was on our show the other day but i think he, he's got a chance to me I, I remember watching him at adidas nations and i just thought he was fine but I, he didn't pop the way that like dennis smith and some of the other college guys did and something that i find fascinating about the kings at this moment and it doesn't look like it's going to change is that they are going to have an outright majority of their roster next season on rookie scale contracts they have eight right now and that's rookie scale that's not second round picks or anything else like that that's straight first round picks in the first four years of their nba tenure yeah, I mean, then they are going to have probably uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, who they're going to bring over. May not be on the rookie scale. They might have to pay him a little more because it's been three years since he was drafted now. But he'll be another one of those guys who's still a relatively young, a, a good shooter. They, I mean, they will at least have some shooting now. Um, they're going to be playing two traditional bigs probably all the time. But with Jackson with Buddy Heald if they bring over Bogdanovich they'll at least have some guys who can bomb it from the outside their defense is going to suck but uh they also have 56 million in cap space so maybe they can bring in some contributors and not be awful next year but I would expect that they probably will be and hopefully their plan will be to just continue to stockpile some assets with that cap space uh I've heard conflicting things about whether in fact that will be the strategy we already talked about Justin Patton I think a little bit at 16 anything else you feel like we should say on him not really just a he might end up being okay but it's just the the fit the 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 resources there just don't don't agree with that i don't see how i mean unless they like it's not like oh we have another guy who's like this great asset like if jang were making like eight million a year and like okay we're going to trade him away and this guy will replace him it would make a little more sense to me but you have to imagine that a lot of these guys are gonna be on the team for a while next up milwaukee with dj wilson power forward out of michigan i never had too many thoughts on him but he intrigued me offensively i wish i remembered which game it was it was one of the full Michigan games that I watched I went oh that guy has it like I wasn't watching it for him and I went oh he kept on doing things that were interesting and I always like that so I don't have a strong opinion but I remember that he's a modern player shoots the ball can switch defensively can get out and transition finish at the rim do a little bit off the bounce uh, probably more of a pure four in today's game block some shots every once in a while horrendous rebounder has some problems with competing a lot of times but that's all right because Milwaukee doesn't believe in defensive rebounding on their team and uh the, he adds another athlete who can switch so i'll be interested to see what, what he can do there i mean definitely the knock on him is that he's kind of soft but he definitely has the skills and it is just again a, a fit a modern player like you can see his nba role sometimes guys like that don't develop right but in contrast to maybe like a tj leaf who is the next pick by indiana you don't see as well even if leaf kind of hits the the ceiling of developing into what he's supposed to be he just 
his fit in the modern game is is not as exciting to me because I think he's always going to really struggle defensively and he's not enough of like a beast in the post that he's going to be killing you there he can stretch the floor but uh his defense is considered a major problem area and it's hard to imagine that that will ever get to being a plus for him there are specific reasons most notably the knee issue that apparently is happening but if you had told a ucla person who watched their team this year that the same team would take tj leaf and and ike anabogu you'd be like oh okay you know that that'll work out reasonably well and they would say and they would probably be happier about anabogu than they would be about leaf because he's just kind of a guy you know it's it reminds me of i got so angry when they took tyler hansbro a few years ago and it's not just because they're white power forwards it's because i don't see how they how he can be much more than just kind of like an 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 interesting rotation player like he's not going to get to that level as a beast of a defensive player yeah, or yeah he, he's not gonna be a i don't see how he becomes a high level starter. not all right you're the 18th pick get a rotation guy all right that's not that's not terrible but uh, there are a lot of guys that i liked uh on the board whom we'll get to that i think would have been much better in atlanta they took uh john collins who rated extremely well just if you look at his efficiency his usage rate his scoring uh his touch in the post his athleticism Defensive awareness considered an issue for him, though. Uh, defensive toughness considered an issue. Another guy who probably doesn't really have the size in terms of his length to play center has shown some modicum of touch, but really more out to 15 feet. So you wonder, is he a center? Is he a power forward? You know, I think he's actually, maybe he's a guy who could get into the post and score for you a little bit, but I don't see him really able to, def- you know, he's a 4.5 in today's game. And so not, that means you can't can't defend either of those two positions yeah i'd certainly say that's fair and i hope that he can get some skill development at hawks university and that maybe boonholzer can coach him up a little bit and they have done that in the past you know like there there are ways that they can make this work and there probably will be playing time to be had unless they bring back paul Millsap. harry giles in sacramento go through the the bigs that they now have on the roster although you have to imagine that in the g league we got to start calling it the g league now remember get that uh that bri you have to imagine that he will have some opportunities to develop there and they've got a, on their team now you know they're not as impacted maybe as you would have thought Costa Kufos in the last year of his deal well he has a player option yeah prior to a player option I was, I was gonna say but he probably won't really play as much he could be a potential trade candidate or buyout candidate but they've got Scal who I still think should play center but he's gonna probably start at the four Lee Cauley Stein will pick out a lot of minutes at the five they've got uh Papa G the the fear is that Giles will play too much at the four and Dave Yeager more of a two traditional big type of guy you could see him doing that that's that's a concern for me because I think Giles is certainly a center and he has that type of size he has that seven three wingspan you know over a nine foot standing reach in today's game certainly can be center but i think just a good value grab here for the kings and and now there won't be any pressure on him he won't be expected to come in and play a lot i know he's the number one recruit before but you know you can, he can just try to develop a little bit in reno and we'll see maybe he'll like have a chance to come on late in the season like scal did last season i think there is a very significant chance that two or three years from now the starting front court of scal and harry giles is just legit i i remember when i saw giles before all this crap happened with him with his with his body i think it was like his junior year of high school was that after the first acl tear i think it was after the first one i'm not completely sure but i remember the first time i saw him i went just like oh my god like this guy and then i i interact like i saw him interact a little bit at uh at hoop summit when he was already hurt i think that was i think that was the second acl tear yeah 
And he just seemed like an affable kid and all that sort of stuff. And so the hope is that he can get there. He still has, I think he still has a high ceiling. And at 20, who gives a crap? I mean, if, if he doesn't reach it, you, at least you went for it at that point. And when you're not, there are guys that I liked that were still around on the board, but it's a justifiable risk. Yeah. And other than sexy blogger pick OG Ananobi, nobody else who really fit a need more at that point. So probably just better to go with the best player available. And I, th- I you could make the argument that he's probably, you might like him better than Zach Collins, who they could have gotten at 10. And then they also were able to get Justin Jackson as well. And I don't know if Giles, if I see like that offensive potential, even back when he was highly touted as one of the you know, top two players in this class i mean seeing him at like the u19s two years ago for example i wasn't like oh my god this guy is going to be an unbelievable player you know I, I don't see him as like some scoring superstar but i think he could be a very solid big great rebounder maybe can evolve into more of a rim protector we didn't see that much as much from him when he was healthy and shoot the ball a little bit and but also just the quick feet on the perimeter to switch out and, and slide um and yeah i mean the, you could see how the athleticism between him and scal and Collie Stein, if you want to throw him in there too, could eventually give teams problems and at least, you know, give us some awesome dunks uh, from this team as they struggle here. 21 was really funny because, you know, the, the Yahoo broadcast and Twitter was like three picks ahead. And then there was a lull for essentially 15 minutes because Oklahoma City is totally airtight. And they eventually picked Terrence Ferguson. There have been rumors of a promise from Duke's Frank Jackson, who eventually went 31. Uh, But I really like the Ferguson pick. I know that he only averaged four points a game in Australia last year and and was kind of off the radar screen. But nuclear athlete can jump out of the gym, shoots the ball real well, impressed me uh, both at the Hoop Summit, at the U19s the year before that. 2015 and 2016 and just like a guy who people talk well of his defense he's way too skinny at this point but i mean at at that point in the draft to have a guy who's a great athlete who projects to be an excellent shooter and can defend he can't handle the ball at all but it's that's fine you know just again there's so guess what we know who's handling the ball in oklahoma city (laughs) yeah yeah i mean but like look at this list of players they just are, are like there is nobody who like if you just look at like okay what what is this guy's in theory going to be on both ends he could be a quality offensive player because he can shoot and he can get into guys a little bit defensively and move his feet there are no other guards basically who profile is that even Ananobi probably is going to be a below average offensive player maybe he can get to like you know be more of a hit a spot three type of guy uh and like an energy guy in the offensive glass and uh, you could go 20 picks and you're not going to find that guy and those guys are impossible to find as well that's why I was very high on him despite the fact like okay yeah he didn't average enough points in australia and oh what a selfish kid he skipped college to go uh, make over a million dollars reportedly uh including his endorsement contract from under armor that you don't make that much in the australian league it's probably like the best guys make like 100k there or maybe like 150 so he probably was even a little bit less than that but just to be pro and get like that endorsement money and still be under contract to under armor going forward like yeah of course why shouldn't he do that but he's selfish probably so because he skipped college next up was jared allen went to brooklyn Another guy who was at the 2016 Hoop Summit, I liked him, played with some energy, kind of a little little bit bouncy, but not super bouncy, kind of a like a less athletic version of kind of what Bam brings just in terms of a 15 to 20 minute a game center. I, again, would have liked OG there instead, just because I think he can be more of an all around guy on the wing. But Jared Allen, you know, pencil him in for that 15 to 20 a game. And considering Brooklyn's going to be figuring out their center rotation seemingly for years now, now that they traded cornerstone Brook Lopez. So we'll, we'll see how that 
works out, but I, I don't have too much too much to say about Allen except that I, I liked him when I saw him. Yeah, I'm higher on him, I think, than you are. I think he has the ability to potentially be a starting center. 7-5 wingspan, the ability to switch out in the perimeter. Played the four mostly at Texas. His True. defensive rebounding rate was definitely a problem. Didn't block as many shots as you would have hoped as well. But generally, when I've seen him and he's been in position, he can block some shots. I think how much of that was him playing at the four and just being in college where things are weird. Uh, he certainly looked good blocking shots at the Hoot Summit. Practices uh, was effective, I thought, in the U18s uh, Tournament of the Americas last year also. And just he's a guy who's got some upside. I mean, if you have a 7-5 wingspan and you can block some shots and jump a little bit and move your feet in particular in pick and roll defense or even switching late in the clock, that's a guy that I want. That's someone that, again, to me, has the potential to be what you need in today's game. And I think it's possible, like, he's definitely got to get, you know, more of a heartbeat for sure. And he's got to get stronger. And maybe that never happens. But again, another guy where you say, hey, how can this work out? If he does work out, can he be a guy who fits? And the answer is yes to me. And I see, I don't see any reason why he couldn't be a starting center, you know, other than just the fact that he may just not have the heart. But if he can improve that, and, you know, he's only 19, obviously, uh, then I think he, he has the physical tools to absolutely be a starting center in the NBA. I should clarify, I do like him too. I'm a little bit less rosy on him being a starter, but I, I like him. I like him too. I was just, I, I think of him more as a backup. I think it's the most likely outcome, but I think he's, I think he's valuable there and I think he's good at that. Yeah. Ananobi next to, to Toronto. This is the legacy pick for Bruno Caboclo, who looks like he's not really going to amount to a ton, but another guy with a reportedly enormous wingspan. Ananobi was not really a natural shooter. His feel offensively, definitely a problem. Obviously, there's the torn ACL. Some teams think that he's everything's going great. Other teams think maybe not so much. He, he had a pro day recently where he basically was just doing spot shooting and that's it. Wasn't really jumping at all uh, on those plays. And he's now about four months out from an ACL tear. So that's about where you would expect him to be. Maybe there's some more damage there than we know. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's a big, strong kid, pretty young still. And just the, the defensive upside is pretty high. He's got to play harder overall, but just the strength, you could see him maybe even guarding one through five at some point, potentially. Quite possible that the shooting never comes around. I mean, if you want to think about where he is just from a body standpoint, he kind of looks like James Johnson, but probably plays harder than him, a little more wingspan than, than James Johnson. Johnson, from what I recall, uh, a little more defensive mentality, not the passer or, or score maybe that James Johnson is and some similar issues just in terms of his feel offensively but again you know another guy who it's like these are the valuable players this type of player now we haven't been that high you know on Josh Jackson and Jason Tatum right but when you just again look at the dearth of guys who could potentially succeed on both ends on the wing that came after them that came after Jonathan Isaac you start to understand more because those guys would seem to have a higher floor even if they don't necessarily turn out and they can contribute to winning basketball like you can't have a good team with out guys who can play both ways on the wing right now in the NBA. It's a great point. And also, there aren't many guys on the free agent market. This isn't a circumstance where it's oversaturated in areas and then it's weakened. It's just narrow everywhere except for like three teams in the league. 24, Tyler Lydon, not a guy I was as familiar with. Blocks more shots than you would expect as a power forward. Supposedly can shoot the ball from Syracuse. Don't really have much of an opinion on him either way. I mean, I think he is a little bit slow afoot for what I would like in a modern four man, but has some skills and, and maybe more defensive potential than you know someone like tj leaf might yeah i'm fine with that all right i'm leaving this one to you just to try to make me say the name that's right 
So I, I honestly don't know. We need Schmitz back. Uh, so it's it's on. I think it's Anza Pashnik. But what I want to talk about with this pick is something that I wanted to bring up in the Philadelphia offseason preview, but then uh, uh, but then we couldn't. It was Philly, right? Yeah, it was Philly. Yeah. And so this pick has some super. So it was basically what happened was Philly acquired this pick from Orlando, trading a future first that they have from Oklahoma City. Why that pick is so interesting is because it has very strange protection. They Oklahoma City previously owes that they already owe pick to Utah from the aforementioned Dennis Canner. We talked about his Canner a little earlier. That deal. So they had to give it in future years. So it's it, it it has that kind of plus two years part of it. But what's unusual about it is it's top twenty protected. But there's a clause in there that says the first year it's only conveyed in that first year. If it if it doesn't happen in that year, then it immediately becomes second. It's not one of those that slides from year to year, even though it has the sliding in there because they don't know when the first pick is going to convey. So for for Orlando's purposes, it's more likely they're going to get two second round picks or a really late first. That makes it if you like if you like this Euro, it's a nice move for Philly. Yeah, seven two can shoot the ball. Looks like a, a pretty good finisher inside. Has got some mobility. Don't know him that well. You wonder a little bit again about the fit since they already have a million centers. And I th- I think I would have been trying to look more for guards or combo forwards, but they, they've got really everything at at this point uh in spades so i think they just went with the best guy that they could and and they've got plenty of slots already that they need to develop on this team so leaving him over in europe potentially could be useful next one was the pick that we really dislike caleb swanigan again a, a guy who might be good for what he is but he's like kind of a big ground bound big guy saw him he's gotten in much better shape since we saw him at uh, the youth level but still just don't see the fit for him at all in the modern NBA. Why you would spend a first round pick on the on this guy? I just don't really understand. I didn't understand a lot of what Portland did tonight. Yeah, it was frustrating. It wasn't wasn't my favorite thing in the world. So I don't need to spend too much time on it right now. So the Lakers got Kyle Kuzma, another guy kind of in a similar mold to DJ Wilson, a four who maybe projects as a, a guy who can switch a little bit, has some offensive skill facing the basket. Not a nuclear athlete, but a solid athlete he was out of utah maybe like as a compliment to larry nance not as much energy kuzma's defense playing hard one of the things that is reputed to be a weakness for him this is the pick that the Lakers just got from Brooklyn in the Brooke Lopez, Angela Russell trade, the Mozgov trade that actually got announced during the draft. And I, I think it, a guy who could fit in the modern game, that is in contrast to the guy that Utah took with the next pick, uh, 28. They picked up the 28th pick to at the price of the 30th pick, which they'd initially gotten from Golden State. That 28th pick the Lakers gotten was from Houston in the Lou Williams trade. And then they also had to give up uh, uh, 42 Utah did to move up and draft two slots to draft Tony Bradley, who I mean doesn't really seem like a San Antonio guy, and the Lakers probably wouldn't have drafted either because they already have Evicha uh, Zubac. Yeah, it was it was strange in that sort of a circumstance. And Bradley, you know, certainly guys who are capable of playing center are fine, but it's not like they had this urgency of like, oh my God, we have to have a center who's going to sit behind Rudy Gobert and maybe play 10 minutes a game next year. I don't have much of a feel for Bradley, but I think you watched more of him than I did. Very, very little, but a, another guy, again, who you just don't see the fit in the modern game. He's got a big body. He's got really long arms, can't jump, runs the floor as hard as he can. Great offensive rebounder, the best offensive offensive rebound rate of anyone in the country soft touch around the rim but not a fantastic finisher because he can't jump at all you're not really an alley-oop threat 
could maybe get into better shape and, and be someone who could be pretty good but when you consider number one his limitations i think he's a guy who like maybe you could see okay we're gonna we'll start if he works out to being what we hope he would be in like three years we could he could be one of these guys that we start at center for like 20 minutes a game you know and then but he's too slow to play against a lot of lineups but your problem of course is that you have rudy gobert and then a lot of backup units play without a traditional center or go with a smaller guy or someone who can shoot. And so Gobert is going to play 33 to 35 minutes a game. And then in those other 15 minutes, even if he develops, Bradley is not going to be able to work in every matchup. So maybe he ends up being able to play half of those minutes and maybe he just will work out and he'll be a quality player. It's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, he could turn out to be to be good at what he's supposed to be good at, but what he's supposed to be good at just doesn't entice me that much. Next up, Derek White. Interesting and light of what happened with uh, DeJounte Murray, another Pac-12 guard that, you know, that maybe fell a little bit. Do you want me to tell the Derek White story? Because it's pretty interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So Derek White was basically completely unrecruited i think at that point he was six foot he got offers one of his three scholarship offers was from a culinary school which is amazing and he ended up get choosing to go to an naia school but then his coach got hired by a d2 school brought him on there he ended up being prolific at d2 then transferred to colorado did well at colorado and i'm not sure he's going to work in the nba like i i hope that he will i liked him in college he, he the way i like to say it with Derek white is that he played like he gave a shit and i really liked that with him he he can handle the ball a little bit, can shoot it a little bit, and he tries on defense. He's not the most physically gifted guy in the world, as you would expect from somebody who was offered by culinary school. But I do like him, and I think it can work. And San Antonio, just getting that time to really to really develop him and see if they can turn a guy who was a, an 80% free throw shooter, averaging 18 points a game, whether they can turn that into somebody. Yeah, time is running out to develop him, unfortunately, because he is 23. Yep. But, I, you know, Schmitz talked to him up a little bit. Uh, he is does have some sneaky bounce that you wouldn't expect he kind of looks like a comparison that i heard was he's like the jared dudley of point guards which i thought was I like an it. interesting an interesting comparison so i think he's or maybe you could say he's the kyle anderson of point guards that might be on the downside as well but you know certainly someone who has the size to be a quality player and it just i think the big thing for him is going to be you know how good is he defensively is he going to be a liability or can he really defend his position defend both guard spots in a pinch the pick that i really liked uh kp had him pretty high in his translations and the other guy that you look at is hey this guy could actually both be okay on offense and defend his position is josh hart uh the 30th pick from the lakers uh via utah and initially from golden state way back in 2013 in the andre guadala sign and trade is the price for taking on andres bedrins and brandon rush and richard jefferson uh uh, I, I like this pick and I think Hart if he is at all what he's supposed to be he'll have a chance to come in and compete for minutes right away because they desperately will need someone who can play some defense on the wing and make a three I also like him in the context of their ambitious plans moving forward because I think if you can add a lot of talent around him and just kind of say hey you're going to get whatever your role is going to be he can work with that and I think it, it, like if they get Paul George if they get LeBron James whatever it works out I think he could fit New Orleans ended up getting Getting this pick from Charlotte, this initially had been Atlanta's from Brooklyn, way back from the uh, Joe Johnson trade, I believe. And then this went to Charlotte in the Dwight Howard trade. And then Charlotte moved back nine slots to 40 for cash. 
Yeah. Frank, we saw him at the Hoop Summit. He's okay. You know, like I, I I think that he's a better athlete than point guard at this point, and he's not an unbelievable athlete, but I think he could put it together. This is just off the top of my head, but how often do the best organizations in the league sell picks? I think they almost never do. Well, yeah. And moving back, I mean, the 31st pick got moved twice in the last two days. Yeah. Jackson, we'll, we'll go quicker on these guys. Shoots the ball well, pretty good athlete. Point guard skills are the deficiency with him. And but was a high recruit, came out of Duke after one year. And someone who I think has definitely has the athleticism to succeed at the point guard position. It's just whether he's more of a combo, whether he has the vision, whether he uh, you know will defend, but he has the the tools to do so. So I think a a solid pick there, just as a guy who maybe you know was underutilized at Duke and and could do more. And uh, again with Tim Frazier out of town now, we'll see what. happens with drew holiday jackson could have a chance to maybe uh at least be on the fringes of the rotation if he can handle it probably can't at this point as a freshman uh phoenix at number 32 uh devon reed i think it's devon not davon reed out of university of miami projecting as more of a three and d guy doesn't really score a lot but has a good body rose and with his athleticism in the workout process another guy who hopefully can just become that uh wesley iwundu uh, not a guy I was really familiar with at all. Uh, Orlando, this is one of the picks they got from the Dwight Howard trade from the Lakers, which uh, ended up turning into two seconds because that 2019 pick is never going to convey. Uh, not really much of a, of a thought on him. Has some length, has some ball handling ability. 22 out, out of Kansas State. That's that's about all I know on him. Sacramento, Frank Mason. I think it's possible that Mason, with his experience, could again maybe get into the mix for some rotation minutes, depending on if they sign another point guard in free agency. Uh, De'Aaron Fox with the presumptive starter there in Sacramento. Yeah, Mason and and kind of an intriguing guy who can who can put the ball. You know, he can. I think he can get to space a, a little bit well a little bit comfortably, which I like. And then Ivan Rab, who I'm more familiar with, Cal guy, made one of the worst financial decisions of a guy in recent in the recent past who I thought was going to be overdrafted last year, decided to return to Cal and then went 35 to Memphis, who gave up Brooklyn's 2019 second to get this pick. And Rab is really in like that, that pocket for Memphis of a 4.5 who doesn't really have a spot at the next level, but he can, I think he, you know, he has good instincts and he tries hard. So they're just they're just playing out a type really, really hard at this point. And I hope it works. He seems like a good kid. I've, I've followed him for a while now, but I don't think it's going to work. I would agree with that. Orlando traded this pick away. They also traded away 25, which we should have mentioned earlier, to Philly. Uh, I guess we did mention that because that, that was the Because uh, I talked about that pick protection pick. for about yeah. a half an hour. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, but uh, Orlando clearly making the judgment that there wasn't really anyone that they liked in the 25 to 35 range in this draft. Uh, or they felt that they could get some more assets later and also perhaps an indication of the new approach that we're going to see under Jeff Weltman who has plenty of time now to try and turn this around so he he's got some capital and he can kind of push some assets in the future I love this pick by Philly Jonah Bolden who disappointed at UCLA you're when you saw him at UCLA I mean did you think he was just going to be terrible like I didn't see him at all at UCLA but I thought both in terms of the statistical translations from the Adriatic League and then the film I thought he was very impressive I actually liked him at UCLA I thought he was miscast by Steve Alford who I don't think is a good coach and so I thought I saw I saw some physical potential in him and he just wasn't really being utilized I understood why he left and I'm happy that it worked out for him yeah and 
he's just got a lot of bounce about 610 shoots a very easy ball can shoot off the dribble even a little bit some versatility gets up for some dunks uh excellent on the offensive glass as a power forward prospect has the potential maybe to be someone who can switch i i, I think he really especially if this shooting that he showed 40 percent from three from the FIBA line 22 feet it turns out to be remotely real i think he could actually be a player some of the appeal probably for philly is maybe that he could be stashable um although he's probably not a guy who's who's from europe who necessarily would want to stay there as much uh boston they get semi ogile out of smu guy looks like a defensive end as schmidt said it shoots it a little bit came from from duke real strong guy another guy just a, an athlete maybe can develop into a player uh in boston probably play a lot for the main red claws could be a a, a candidate for a two-way contract as well potentially although 37 is pretty high for that so we'll that'll be very interesting to see how many of these guys end up getting two-way contracts or not uh 38 the golden state warriors who uh bob myers had said they had a board with a bunch of b's and how much they were willing to spend on those bought the star-crossed number 38 pick from chicago i i really cracked up when this happened because i went oh my god jordan bell the first good thing the bulls have done all night and then as i was writing that tweet out it was it was revealed that they sold the pick to the warriors and i just thought it was way too funny and jordan bell pac-12 defensive player of the year offense is a big big question mark but he just fights like all hell he can block some shots he can rebound and just just battles out there and a natural fit for the Warriors in that way, I'm going to be fascinated to see whether he's plays more five or four for them, whether he's more of a McAdoo replacement or more of a Kavon Looney replacement. But I could certainly see him getting mentored by Draymond Green or McAdoo if McAdoo stays and becoming a rotation player for Golden State. The other reason is star crossed that pick number one, Golden State bought 38 last year as well for 2.4 million, which was the most they could spend to get Patrick McCaw. This year they spent 3.5 million, which was almost the absolute maximum they could uh to get this pick from the bulls and and then this is the fruit of that crazy protected pick that sacramento had from that jj hickson omri caspi trade years ago it converted into uh, this pick and then of course the bulls who acquired it of course in trading away luol dang to get andrew bonham so that they could cut his non-guaranteed salary and avoid the luxury tax fitting that having acquired the pick in that in a cash saving transaction then sold it for cash yeah so that'll pay for two of their shitty point guards uh, and, and Bell, he, I see him as the McAdoo replacement, the guy who plays center, can switch when their traditional centers are just getting beat up and they don't want to go to Draymond Green at center, give them another small ball option. I, I think it's McAdoo, maybe he'll be back, but I think if he gets an offer for more than the minimum, they will probably just let him go, much as that would tug at Steve Kerr's heartstrings. They probably will just move on from Looney, hopefully find a taker for him or even maybe stretch him or, or just cut him as well. Uh, but bell i think is someone that they hope can fill that role better be a better defensive player than mcadoo was who mcadoo had some mobility but if he had to switch on to like you know lebron james or you know a real player he was probably cooked so then that went straight into another pick that was sold the sixers had a an arsenal of second round picks they took one on jonah bolton and they sold this one to the clippers for Jawan evans who went to oklahoma state i didn't see a ton of him but people whose opinions i respect really liked him and he's more of a 
one than anything else. And guess what? The Clippers are going to need somebody. Yeah, struggled at times from what I heard to shoot the ball in workouts, but has a nice floater game, has some athleticism. Not, I mean, crazy how few point guard prospects there were outside of the top 10, which was a a point guard heavy draft for a while. Um, And, you know, maybe he can evolve into a a decent backup point guard for the Clippers. More really, I think, a a scoring point guard than a distributor. Uh, Dwayne Bacon out of Florida State kind of a, a pound the ball score type of guy this maybe an average athlete uh, but a guy who can score has some strength and some toughness uh, going to Charlotte uh, again the idea being I mean once you're getting to this point it's like these guys are probably gonna never contribute but you know a guy who maybe can can score Tyler Dorsey don't really know anything about him other than the fact that he plays for the Greek national team well and he can he can score he, he was productive in the NCAA tournament he can shoot was 42 percent from three at Oregon this year. Thomas Bryant plays hard, runs the floor, has some length, can't jump at all. Emerging outside shooter for the Lakers at 42, kind of a, a meh. And then the guy that I really liked who fell according to John Gavonia Draft Express because he got red flagged by NBA doctors with a back condition, number 43 with Houston. I had it, thought he was a potential first rounder, a guy 7-1, really good mobility for the the center position can jump pretty well not has an outside shot that you know he's comfortable shooting but he gets his he's a lefty he gets his right thumb so involved that it's very very inconsistent that's something that he's probably gonna have to fix but even if that doesn't necessarily come around i liked him just as a guy who is an excellent rebounder not an amazing shot blocker but it could be a guy who just with his mobility who can get into position i thought in the uh hoop summit practices he, he was effective protecting the rim he could put the ball on the floor for a couple of bounces had some nice passing vision was known as a guy who had you know would really kind of self-destruct from an attitude standpoint get really frustrated on the court but we didn't see that uh has made some strides in his maturity um we'll see the report was that he wanted to come over right away i don't know whether houston will probably not want him to do that he plays with zalgiris in lithuania right now but a guy that i thought you know again could be a fit in the modern game has the tools and a modicum of skill level and the guy's seven one and i like hartenstein lot for Houston too specifically because the idea they can use a a five in his sort of ilk I think they can do that as a change of pace and everything else so I like him there I admittedly know next to nothing about uh Damian Dotson who the Knicks got at 44 do you know anything about him let's let's just no I don't uh let's just leave it for the guys that we actually do know something about uh uh, Ike Bogu, another guy who fell due to injuries at 47 with with Indiana you saw him uh, obviously as a UCLA alum your thoughts on him if he didn't have a knee thing i thought he could have been a a strong late first round pick plays with kind of energy and athleticism can block shots can dunk can do tip dunks and things like that i think he's more of a backup than a starter but i i still really like him and i'm sure his knee's scaring the crap out of people but i still think he can be a player yeah he's rumored to have a degenerative condition and but just has a a fantastic body you know hands aren't that good but just really is someone who can just take up a lot of space around the rim get up for alley-oops motor on the offensive glass that type of player and kp has been making this point sam hinky would probably agree that teams are probably overly conservative especially later in the draft when it comes to injury risks um Denver with another pick that I really like taking uh, Monte Morris out of Iowa State. Morris, I think, was like number three or something on like Pelton's stats only projection. Maybe I'm overstating that a little bit. Um, And maybe a guy who could 
at 22 just had like one of the lowest assist or one of the highest assist to turnover ratios can shoot the ball not an explosive guy getting to the rim but has decent size hopefully can defend a little bit maybe guard either guard position in a pinch at some point and just could be like maybe a steady backup point guard someone that that i liked and when the statistical translations are also on the side of that you have to like it as well um anyone else here you you wanted to comment on Uh, i've got one more guy at 57 but anyone before that no you can go ahead yeah this was a guy who i haven't seen hardly at all but alexander vizenkov who i think kp talked about it on monday here at fc barcelona it was shems reported already that with brooklyn it's going to be a draft and stash for him in europe but i mean the guys that have come out of europe young guys with pretty good statistical translations they definitely have not disappointed of late so he is someone that I think uh, we'll keep an eye on, uh, although a lot of times guys drafted that late just kind of fade away into the ether and, and, and we never see him again. Um, yeah, we got to talk about all the rumors still. We're uh, here at the hour 57 mark or so. Well, I think we Let's hit start, most. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so we hit, we hit Porzingis. The one we didn't hit is Paul George. Yeah, I mean, considering the return that they got for Jimmy Butler, and this also leads me to the idea that maybe Chicago just liked the guys that were offered. I mean, it seems like, Paul George has a lesser value. He's functionally a rental for most teams. And it's possible that the Pacers just don't really value what the Lakers were probably thrown out there. Maybe they didn't really want Julius Randle. They drafted a power forward. They already have Miles Turner. So maybe they just hold on to him. Well, the biggest development out of today, one was maybe Butler setting the market a little bit, as you mentioned. But the other one is, it is very difficult for me to see how he ends up in a Laker uniform prior to the summer of 2018 now. Because Julius Randle, 27 and 28, were basically, it seemed like, the best offer that could be made. The Lakers don't have their 2018 pick. And so then the earliest pick they could trade would be 2020 after that. So that's really the only other thing that they could throw in would be a later first-round pick, probably. I don't think the Pacers are interested in Clarkson. They apparently were not interested in D'Angelo Russell. Uh, or maybe the Lakers just felt, hey, it's better to use Russell to get off of Mozgov's salary and pick up Lopez, a guy who can help us this year. So... But if that didn't move the needle for the Pacers, I mean, and and it wouldn't for me either, I would just say, I I think my response when the Lakers offered Julius Randle would be, well, we can just sign him in restricted free agency next year after you like revoke his qualifying offer. because that's a, that's what the Lakers are probably saying to the Pacers like we could just sign Paul George in free agency but but joking aside I don't see how like the Lakers aren't going to give up Ingram and they're not going to give up ball by all accounts so it's hard to imagine how George can end up on the Lakers I mean maybe if the Pacers are just completely out of it and more, aren't even going to make the playoffs by the trade deadline and, and you know the best offer is out there but now you know the chance to do that would have been now because they could have made their own picks with 27 and 28 now the Lakers uh, at 27 and 30 probably didn't get the guys that Indiana would have wanted so those now have even less value to the Pacers I mean I really don't see a way that he gets there before the summer of 2018 now unless things drastically change and furthermore if those were the guys that the Pacers wanted and they work out then Lakers probably be more reluctant to put them in the trade in the first place Woj also reported that there was significant momentum before talks broke down between Boston and the Pacers on Paul George this was after the Jimmy Butler deal happened it would seem 
perhaps that their free agent targets are more interested in Paul George than playing with Jimmy Butler, which I understand George, I think, is a much easier guy to play with than Butler. Less of an ISO game, less of a pick and roll game. Um, Both of them kind of slightly prickly personalities. And also the fact that Paul George is probably going to be there for one year, so you might as well just kind of see what you can get out of him. But presumably the Pacers wanted more than Boston was willing to give. I would love to know what the the latest Pacers demand was. And then the other interesting thing that I found was Brian Windhorst when he was on the radio in Cleveland. He has this habit, by the way, I got to talk to him about this, of like saying interesting stuff that I want to hear on the radio. And it's like, could you just tweet it or put it in an article? Because I'm never going to see it otherwise. But fortunately, it came across my desk somehow or another. He basically said the Cavs were not generating enough trade interest in Kevin Love that uh, Paul George or Jimmy Butler, and obviously Butler didn't happen, would be coming to Cleveland. Now, I would imagine, I would hope that Kevin Love would garner more than Julius Randle 27 and 28 uh, on the open market, but maybe even perhaps whatever they could get back for Love still wasn't enough uh, in a three-way deal for the Pacers. Uh, and the Pacers, I guess, are uh, would be saying that we, or maybe Cleveland was demanding they take on some salary as well. Uh, but uh, what if it, your only option was, you know, that Lakers deal, which they're not going to do, would you just do Kevin Love straight up for Paul George if you had really no other reasonable options? I'm not sure that I would do it right now. I think that I would consider it, you know, maybe beginning a training camp or something else like that. But at this point, yeah. I still feel like you can you can try something else. Here's a question I want to ask you. Would you rather have Kevin Love or what Minnesota gave up for Jimmy Butler? Well, if I could have drafted the guy that I wanted with the number seven pick, then I would have rather had that. If I had to just take Markkanen and Dunn, then I'd probably rather have Kevin Love. But it depends where I am as a team in the success cycle too. You know, if I'm a team that might be on the cusp of really getting into the playoffs the next two years with Love, maybe I would go in that direction. If I'm just like totally out of it and he doesn't help me at all, um, then then maybe not. And we'll see. Maybe Love just doesn't have as much value as, as might have been thought at 28. He is coming off a knee surgery and I think teams have kind of forgotten how good he can be when he's more involved in the offense or maybe he's not as good there anymore I mean I still wonder what that Boston offer was you know if they offered the Memphis pick which is top eight six and then unprotected starting in 2019 through 2021 does that start to move the needle for you for Georgia I like that better than that Lakers offer yeah I think I like it better than the Lakers offer but yeah and, and maybe like one of their own first round picks or that Clippers pick I mean they have seven first rounders God. over the next couple of years um so it probably it seems like maybe for one year that the Lakers slash Kings pick or the Brooklyn pick is is too much. I would agree with that at this point, perhaps. But maybe that but Memphis we'll see pick? too. I mean, and, and and maybe if they are if they get Hayward, then like that changes, right? Now they're just they feel like hey, if we get George, now we're like really in it this year. If we get if we get him, whereas if they don't get Hayward, then you can say all right, if we got Paul George, we're probably not beating Cleveland anyway. Um, so we're not going to give up more. So. Perhaps this will get revisited after the free agent period, and then and maybe from Indiana's standpoint too, they're gonna maybe they'll try to see who they can get around George and see whether they can actually have a good team this year or not. I'm intrigued to see how this. Hopefully, all that works. doesn't involve long term contracts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll have to see how how it all works out with him, and I think it might be a more drawn out process with George, just because if the offers are this tepid, I understand why they want to be why they want to hold on to him. Last thing, Windhorse also reporting that the Cavs and Spurs have been in trade talks involving Danny Green, which would be a fantastic get, I think, for 
Cleveland and would help them immensely in their attempt to dethrone the Warriors. So fantastically Spurs, that I have no idea how it happens. Yeah, yeah. He noted that the Spurs asking price has been high. Green, one plus one left on his deal at 10 million per, so it has a player option for next year. And the Spurs would also have to take back some modicum of salary there, which they probably wouldn't want to. There's supposedly open to moving him to, to open up space. And then another report from Sam Amick is that LaMarcus Aldridge is unhappy in san antonio he's never been happy anywhere in his life it would seem um and part of the reason that he went there was for family reasons but it seems like you know he's not getting enough touches there or whatever i mean the fact is that he's just not really that good anymore is a problem he also was struggling with the knee injury he's 32 right now so i I do think that if they're going to make some free agent signings it's a good idea to keep him there was talk early in the day that they were looking for a top 10 pick for him with one year left on his deal and then a, a player option that of course he would only take if he weren't playing well and were and it was bad money then uh, he's not worth the top 10 pick and i'm unsurprised that those discussions failed to gain traction so do we want to end this on some basic winners and losers yes yes uh because we haven't talked for quite long enough yet i got two big winners the minnesota timberwolves and the dallas mavericks i i have minnesota in a tier of their own they're the markel Fultz of this draft they yeah that that I mean that's a whole different thing i mean they got a game-changing player on a great contract for not that much and yeah, they did have to give up anything that was really that was really part of their core and remember that they didn't have a ton of assets outside of their core this isn't one of those teams like boston that can just like throw out first round picks like they're candy the fact that they could pull that out is very impressive it totally changes their near-term ceiling there could be maybe some long-term ramifications just because being bad for another year they could have built up that war chest with guys on the similar timeline but jimmy butler is amazing jimmy butler is a legitimate all nba guy and can be the linchpin in in many ways of parts of their team and allow Towns and Wiggins to fit into more natural realms, or if they were us, be, well, I could all only speak for myself, if they wanted to trade Wiggins, this would be a, an amazing time to think about it. Yeah, we'll talk about that more on, the, on their offseason, but I would think very seriously about that, but it seems unlikely. Um, but yeah, and I think this is still going to lead, it wouldn't surprise me still if Minnesota screws this up by just you know putting the wrong guys around these guys and, and playing the wrong guys and not playing small enough but still i mean an absolute coup and then i i would put dallas in that category just because i think dennis smith is such a good fit there and i think he is just going to be very very good and they got a guy who i think could really change their franchise at nine i mean he is i have never been remotely this excited about a number nine pick i'll run through my my quick the other teams that because my real gm write-up is already up the teams that i had in my great draft section charlotte malik monk great value and a lot of mine is about like the assets you had relative to that philly with markel fultz sure. kings overall you know fox jackson yeah, well, F- philly too uh jonah bolden i, I like as yeah. well uh uh Anjex, who i'm mispronouncing sorry i couldn't find uh, I, I tried to find like an actual phonetic pronunciation but they're all um actually like you had to actually listen to an audio file and i didn't have time to do that while we're on the show because i was listening with rapt attention to everything that you were saying um so I, I don't know how i feel about him but you know bolden is definitely solid did sell a couple of picks 
jokes, which I never really care for, but um, thought Denver did okay. Who else were, were your winners? Sacramento. I thought Fo- Fox, Jackson, Giles is a nice haul, and Frank Mason. Toronto, OG Ananobi. The Warriors getting Jordan Bell for nothing, and then the Lakers. I didn't love everything that the Lakers did, but Lonzo Ball was a nice choice. Josh Hart is intriguing, and then I did mine on the week, and so I think that while there's a real risk involved, the trade that they made has a vision to it, and I could see it working. And I think Brooke Lopez can help them this year. Yeah, I liked Houston uh, getting Isaiah Hartenstein, and they also actually got a guy that I like, Cam Oliver, right after the draft on a multi-year deal. The losers, uh, I thought that Boston, regardless of the reasons, they could have and perhaps should have beaten that offer for Jimmy Butler. Jason Tatum, I'm not as high on. They, uh, where he fits in is really, it's going to be a question. And certainly his trade value is going to go down uh, because they have so many wings. He's probably not going to play next year. The Bulls, obviously. Uh, everyone who passed on Dennis Smith, especially the teams who just were kind of, have been mired in the muck for so long and didn't have any potential superstar talent. Uh, Portland didn't really care for what they did. Zach Collins, I don't see the fit there particularly. I don't think they got good value moving up from 15 and 20 to 10. Caleb Swanigan makes no sense to me at all. Utah, I thought uh, Tony Bradley doesn't seem like really a great modern fit. Lyles, uh, to me, was the best talent of, of anyone who was in that. But maybe if Donovan Mitchell works out, my criticism will be irrelevant. But they definitely have a lot of guys who are kind of that size already. And I'm not sure if Mitchell maybe can guard threes a little bit and switch a little bit, but he's not that versatile defensively, I don't think. And yeah, I think that's a. Oh, uh, I would say the Knicks were a, a big loser getting uh, Nilakina, who I think can actually be okay, but just, oh, we got to do the triangle. They pissed off Chris Saps Porzingis even more with the, by having him in the news. And, you know, again, I think Smith would have been a, a much better player, even though they probably would have ruined him anyway. And even though I generally don't like ass kissing of this form, I really want to give some praise to the vertical draft show i thought they did an absolutely excellent job and i don't know what it's going to be moving forward but especially because they had a power outage like halfway through the show yeah that's right and so uh want to give but not only the people that you see on camera but i'm sure the production of that was a pain in the ass something i appreciate a lot more after doing the twitter nba show and so i thought they did a wonderful job yeah schmitz uh, was fantastic uh, bobby marks as well tom crean is, is always pretty good um all right anyway good thing they don't make a nightly podcast though because uh you could still listen to us thanks so much for listening we'll be back on sunday night and then monday and tuesday we'll be recording the mock off season so look for that monday night and tuesday night probably a two-part extravaganza maybe we'll even go to a third part depending on how long it is uh sorry it's a little bit later this year but you know somebody had to like find the love of his life and get married so congratulations uh dan feldman and uh we are glad to have you only a couple of days after your wedding for sure so we will talk to y'all on sunday night till then at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bet 365 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.